You're listening to a sample episode of Sincerely Yours, a new talk show by Yaqeen Institute. Subscribe to our new channel linked in the description to catch new episodes weekly. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Jazakumullah khair for joining us. This is uh, our first episode of the new talk show, Sincerely Yours, where myself, Ibrahim Hindi, and my amazing host, Sheikh Abdullah Waduru, were together. We're bringing on different sheikhs, different preachers, different movers and shakers as our guests. And we're really excited for this, right, Sheikh? Oh, alhamdulillah. Elated, elated, alhamdulillah. May Allah bless May Allah bless all of you, mashallah, for tuning in and staying consistent with us. And alhamdulillah, this is going to be a very, very exciting journey. Inshallah. I'm really excited too. And like, I just think of all the benefit, inshallah, that we can uh, gain from this and gain from our guests and, you know, learn their stories and the things that they've gone through and, and what they have to share, inshallah. Uh, we have an amazing guest set up for today. Uh, but we want to talk to you guys a little bit first. Uh, so everybody in the chat, you know, let us know where you're from and, um, you know, where you're tuning in from. We want to hear from you guys, inshallah. There's even going to be a portion of this where we are going to take some of your questions, maybe just a couple, one or two. Uh, and we'll let our guest, uh, Sheikh Yahya Ibrahim, answer maybe a couple of your questions. So if you guys got questions, send them our way. Uh, put them in the chat, inshallah. Hopefully we'll be able to see them and, and be able to, inshallah, uh, give them to our guest. Uh, so go ahead, do that. We'd love to to hear from all of you, inshallah. Sheikh, uh, what, what are you hoping to get out of this uh, this new project, this talk show? No, alhamdulillah, I think it is going to be really, really good uh, for a lot of people, particularly myself, to get to know some of the shiuch, some of the influencers here uh, on a personal level. And I think that I think a lot of people appreciate that because whenever someone is humanized, uh, you appreciate them and what they do a lot more and you appreciate their person. So that's really what I'm going to appreciate, you know, um, getting to learn a little more about them and their human side and, you know, seeing them smile and laugh on certain things that you probably wouldn't expect or would expect. So that's what's going to be uh, the, the delight for me. Inshallah. Um, you know, one of the things uh, uh, we have to definitely look forward to is, you know, gaining, inshallah, some of uh, the wisdom that they've gone through, uh, the examples, inshallah, from their life that they can share with us. And those, those are things that, you know, people want to know. I think a lot of people would love to, you know, sit with the sheikh that they know and ask them questions and find out about them. And, and this is going to be a great opportunity, inshallah, for them to do just that. Definitely. So I'm not sure if we're streaming yet. Um, a little bit of maybe technical difficulties on our yeah. on our first uh, episode. No, no problem. Uh, it happens all the time. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> but we know our Yakinites are, are patient. Alhamdulillah. They're ready to ready to okay. benefit from what's there. If we're live. We might be going now. Inshallah. I think I missed the to I missed toggling a couple of things. And uh <laughs> might have uh uh, it might work now. It is my first time using this platform, so uh, I'm gonna just say it's my first day on the job. Inshallah, <laughs> the Imam with technology. Alhamdulillah, it's 2022. We're stepping it up. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, th I think that's that's exactly it. Like, if you're working as an Imam or a Sheikh, you can't just be teaching people about Islam. You got to learn how to use your 
your camera and edits and lighting and mm-hmm. audio and all of that. Alhamdulillah. So everyone. We're really happy that we are now finally live. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. <laughs> we're going live and uh, we got a great program. Alhamdulillah, this is a new program that we're that we just started, a new talk show called Sincerely Yours, where we will be bringing on different sheikhs, teachers, preachers, movers, shakers as our guests, inshallah. And it's going to be a great opportunity for us to benefit from them, find out a little bit more about who they are, and you know, gain some of the wisdom, inshallah, that they have to share. Uh, we have a great program coming up, a uh, great guest, inshallah. We want to hear from all of you. We even have a portion of this program where we will take some of your questions and let our guests uh, answer some of those questions. So you guys have questions, put them in the chat. I will try to pick out a couple. We'll probably only be able to pick out one or two, but put them in the chat, inshallah. Hopefully we'll be able to pluck them out and have uh, our guests, inshallah, answer some of your questions. And let us know, inshallah, where you're where you're coming from. We see, mashallah, a lot of you are are uh, tuning in and leaving your comments. Let us know where you're coming to us from. It's amazing. We have people from all over the world who are uh, joining us, Sheikh, Sheikh Abdullah. Um, I should probably introduce us. I'm Ibrahim Hindi, and this is my amazing co-host, Sheikh Abdullah Oduru. And uh, we're geared up, right, Sheikh? Yes, sir. We're ready to go. Alhamdulillah. Let's, let's go on this beautiful, beautiful journey about learning about one another, inshallah, and benefiting from one another. Inshallah. I see Brother Abdullahi from Wellington, New Zealand. Mashallah. Thank you for Allah. joining us. Brother David Wilson from Arizona in the United States. Uh, we have Salam, Sister Fatima from North Carolina. We've got people all over the place, mashallah. Sister Aino from Malaysia. All over the world, people are tuning in. And this is, inshallah, going to be a, a good, strong program for all of us to benefit and to learn. So now that we got a lot of you coming on board, we hope all of you will, inshallah, uh, leave some questions in the comment. Hopefully, we'll choose your question and have our guest, inshallah, answer it today. Uh, and with that, let me introduce our guest. Um, Sheikh Yahya Ibrahim is our guest today. He started his knowledge journey with the memorization of the Quran in his teens. And then he pursued his studies in exegesis and jurisprudence and hadith with scholars from the Hijaz in Egypt as well. Imam Yahya is a registered teacher, currently an assistant principal. He also serves the Muslim community at Curtin University and the University of Western Australia <clears throat> as the Islamic chaplain. And he teaches Islamic ethics and theology and exegesis at Al Maghrib Institute and is a contributor with us at Yaqeen Institute as well. Welcome, Sheikh Yahya Ibrahim. Thank you for joining us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's a pleasure to be with you, my brothers. Allahi barak fikum. Jazakumullah khair for having me. I'm honored to be actually your first guest, mashallah. I don't know if I'm the guinea pig that you're going to experiment on, but we'll see how it goes, inshallah. <laughs> inshallah. You know, Sheikh Yahya was so ready for this. He was actually here yesterday. He messaged me Absolutely. yesterday. <laughs> he said, I'm well, logged yesterday, in. <laughs> yesterday for me is today for you. So we're always ahead of you guys up uh, down here, mashallah. <laughs> it's true. I told him it's Wednesday. And he said, it is Absolutely. Wednesday because... He's in Australia and, uh, you know, Tuesday here is Wednesday there, mashallah. Well, we're so happy that he's here. And, uh, you know, we, we know that everybody's going to be wanting to learn so much from you, Sheikh. You, you've produced a lot of content actually at Yaqeen. And I'm sure, you know, so many of our, um, you know, our listeners and our viewers that they've, they've read, you know, you have a paper on masculinity. You have a couple of video series, Guidebook to God and Road to Return, which mashallah have done amazing. 
lots of viewers who have uh, really taken to that content. And so, you know, I think though that people, you know, when they take some of this content, they, they watch these video series or they read the papers or they see the infographics, they want to know a little bit of, you know, who's, who's be behind the video series, who's behind the khutbah, who's behind the paper. And so that's what really this program is about. Let's find out the person uh, behind the content and learn a little bit more about him. So inshallah, you know, Sheikh Abdullah, maybe you could take it away, ask a question, and we can find out more about uh, our older brother, Imam Yahya. No, alhamdulillah. Uh, I had the opportunity of uh, meeting Sheikh Yahya years ago, actually, subhanAllah. Uh, this was probably around the 90s, the late 90s. And uh, he gave me some, you probably don't even remember, Sheikh, you gave me some, I think I told you this before, but you gave me some sound advice as far as being a student of knowledge. I was just in the beginning of my voyage of Talab al-Ilm, being a student of knowledge, and it was in Detroit, Michigan, and it was very cold. And uh, I was just asking you some advice on you know, how to properly navigate through the social ills of being a student and also the academic challenges that may take place. And you gave me just the sound advice to just stick to the knowledge and stick to memorizing the Quran and be around the people of knowledge as much as you can. I still remember that. It was in your hotel room. You barely knew me. I, you know, I saw one of your lectures, mashallah. You were probably of the best translators back in the day, man. The, the, the translators of the shiuk and stuff like that. And I was I had a lot. I had a lot of envy. I was like, man, mashallah, who is this brother? He could translate Arabic and English, and the knowledge like that. And a lot of brothers said, mashallah, that's, that's Sheikh Yahya, mashallah. So this was mashallah very beneficial. But I want to ask you: Is your journey to knowledge? How was it in the beginning? I mean, you memorized the Quran, and then you went on to go to study the knowledge. And who was probably the most influential figure in that? After you made that choice to go and study. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ba'd. You know, subhanAllah, it's an honor um, that we are associated with ilm, even though we remain ignorant. And it's one of those kind of worrying things where uh, at times there's, um, uh, you know, there are so many incredibly knowledgeable people that we benefited from. And our process of knowledge is simply to make naql. My aim and really all of our aim is to be from those who are conveyors or transmitters of what people before us have gathered. Because they've gathered it from the spring that is unadulterated, pure, the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. So in anything that we ever do correctly, it always has to be attributed to those who kind of came before us or something that we acquired from those who are more learned than us. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even references this kind of chain of narration back to him. So Allah tells us in the end of Surah Al-Baqarah, the Prophet demonstrates faith, has completed his faith in what was revealed to him. Then the believers, they take it from him. What did they take? They have accepted this faith because they believe in God, the angels, the scripture, the messenger. And that's a syntax that's really important. Allah sent the angels carrying the scripture to the Nabi, the prophets, who then in, who then we receive this inheritance from them. And that's a really powerful word where the Prophet Sallallahu said um, that the knowledgeable are those who are warathatul anbiya. So I guess, sorry to make a little bit of an introduction like that. I wanted to make that caveat that 
knowledge isn't something that is resides within us. It's something for us as Muslims. One is of discovery, something that you can learn and read and experiment with. And the other is naql of revelation. And we always put the naql before the aql. We always put that which was revealed, that which was transmitted, that which was carried to us, that which was passed down, chained back to the Prophet as being an important foundation of everything that we seek to do spiritually, intellectually, and, and physically in our pursuit of the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, uh, you know, you, you kind of let the, you know, yeah, it was probably the late 90s. And, uh, you know, subhanAllah, I've, uh, I'm 45 years old. Allahumma barik lana fi asma'ina wa absarina wa quwwatina. May Allah put barakah in our hearing, sight, and the energy of our of our being. Allahumma ameen. For all of us in the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and humanity. Um, so, it really was... Um, a moment of righteous jealousy. And that's why this hadith of the Prophet ﷺ really always sticks in my heart. Where the Prophet ﷺ said that there's two types of people that you can be righteously envious of in a, in a halal way, in a good way. Uh, the first of them is a person whom Allah has given the Qur'an and they recite it by night and inshallah they practice it in the day. Meaning that they live a good life. And, you know, I was maybe... 15, 16 years old, uh, my father took us to Salatul Taraweeh as, as we grew up doing. Uh, we, I come from a family, mashallah, my grandfather was uh, uh, an imam, a scholar of Al-Azhar. Uh, my father, uh, alhamdulillah, was a practicing Muslim, a person who loved the sunnah of the Prophet uh, Same with my mother and, and our entire family, mashallah, uh, my relatives and, and everybody associated uh, but we were nominal Muslims, mashallah, nothing in terms of depth of knowledge. But it was something that my grandfather, every year that when we would travel to Egypt, he would take extra care of our Arabic studies, making sure that we filled in Silahu uh, Tilmid uh, and all of these different kind of books to make sure that we were literate, competent, and able to engage in the Arabic language. And I remember praying Salatul Taraweeh and uh, my first sheikh, May Allah have mercy upon him. He passed away in Hajj. Mm -hmm. Sheikh Hamid Jabir, who was the Imam of Tariq Islamic Center, Toronto and Region Islamic Center. Um, and he said, it was maybe about the 20th night, he said, my student, Hanif Nuri, may Allah give him success um, and, and, and comfort. He, he's uh, an attorney now or a solicitor in, in, in Ontario. Uh, he's going to lead Salatul Taraweeh. And this young man stood up and began to lead the prayer. And he wasn't Arabic. He didn't understand entirely everything that was being recited. But he recited with beauty, with calm, with serenity, and with precision. Oh. And as I was standing there in salah, I said to myself, I can do that. I'm going <laughs> to do that. I can do better than that. I want to do that. SubhanAllah, and I was just, you know, I wasn't jealous of him leading the prayer. I was mm -hmm. jealous that he knew the Qur'an. Yeah. And by and then I had only known, uh, you know, Juz Amma, uh, parts of Juz Tabarak, obviously Surah Al-Mulk and things like that, but nothing, nothing substantial, nothing more than two, three pages at a time without, you know, break, and I, I don't know what I'm reading. And that's when I began to memorize the Qur'an, and Sheikh Hamid, uh, he came from a religious family, a knowledgeable family. 
He had memorized the Quran himself in under four and a half months. Subhanallah. Wow. Uh, in over a summer, you know, he had arrived to study at university and they said, hold on, you don't know the whole Quran. No, no, you can't gain admission until you finish the Quran. You have to be tested in it. He said, oh, uh, I didn't know that. Nobody told me I had, you know, he was on scholarship. They said uh, from the Comoros Islands to study. Uh, and they said, no, you have to know the whole Quran before you can gain admission to the university uh, to do your degree. And so in the three months before he memorized the Quran, in three and a half, four months, he committed it to memory. And subhanAllah, it was uh, inspiring to me. So that was really the spark for me to begin to, begin to take interest in the book of Allah uh, in the capacity of memorizing. About 16, 17 months later, mashallah, I completed the memorization of the Quran under Sheikh Jabir. MashaAllah. That's, That's amazing, subhanAllah. <clears throat> Sheikh, Sheikh, you know, like I, I called you my older brother <laughs> earlier and I felt bad. Like, did, I, did I date the Sheikh or something like that? Uh, but really, I, I called you my older brother because I remember, you know, we grew up in the same city and um, I remember being younger than you <laughs> and uh, people being like, wow, you know, this young man, uh, Yahya Ibrahim, he's giving khutbahs and mashallah, he's, he's out there. And it, it was inspiring to me. Um, and, you know, one thing that I, I was thinking about, you know, we talk to converts all the time. Whenever there's a convert, we're like, tell us your story. How, when did you become a Muslim? But I think everybody has that moment where we decide, like, I choose to be a Muslim. I decide that I'm not just following what people are doing. I consciously decide to believe in this. And, you know, subhanAllah, you began at a very young age giving da'wah and learning and studying. But was there a moment that you could think of where you said to yourself, like, this is this is what I believe in. This is what I want to pursue and, and what was that moment yeah i think it was in 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 high school uh i i attended kipling collegiate institute which is now uh, a predominantly very heavy muslim population in that area in etobicoke in rexdale with a lot of mashallah the somali community moving into that area but when i first started high school there there was very few muslims it wasn't as as the community is today and you know, I still have pictures of me being like 16, 17 years old uh, doing battle with the Department of Education for wanting to pray Jumu'ah and wanting to have room to pray. So it, it, it might not be known by many, but, you know, it was a really hard fight uh, in 1994, 1995 to be able to just be given a classroom to pray. Um I remember, I think it was Miss Berlin was the principal. Um, uh, you know, what I would have to do was in period two or period three, I think I'd have to leave class, make wudu, I'd have to lie, basically say, I need to go to the bathroom and I'd pray under a staircase. And then a complaint came, you know, this guy's doing, you know, you know, this guy's doing this and three or four other people are doing the same thing with him. Because when other Muslims, say, they said, oh, Sheikh, we'll pray with you. And we were like 15 years old, 16 years old, you know, just mem begun memorizing the Quran. It wasn't meant to be rebellious or anything. It was just, we need to pray Dukh and it's 12, 12, 15, 12, 30 and school finishes before we can get home for us. And, you know, I asked permission and they said, no, 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 we can't have you. We'd have to put a teacher there to supervise you and nobody wants to give up their lunch. And I was like, oh, that's all right. You know, I'll just pray at, at under the staircase and, it, you know, there's glass everywhere so people could see you praying. And uh, 
it became a problem. And I remember this one occasion where one of our teachers, uh, you know, one of the administrators actually stood in front of me and said, you have to stop this right now. And I'm like, Allahu Akbar. <laughs> 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 and, it was, uh, you know, and, you know, as a young person, um, you know, those kind of things today, this is pre 911, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so back then it wasn't seen that you're, you know, and I was, I wasn't a person who's trying to buck the system. I just wanted to pray. And it's ironic, of course, that today those kind of things will probably get you flagged and, and put on a list. And, you know, this person, you got you got to keep your eye out on them. But in reality, I was a Canadian. You know, if you ask me, where are you from? I'm Canadian. I wouldn't say I'm Egyptian. I, I'm Canadian. My cousins back home in Egypt, they get so upset with that, that identify with the Canadian more than as an Egyptian. So eventually it came to 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 the point where they would give us the room. And I remember uh, one of the counselors actually came and attended Jumu'ah. And there were newspaper people that came. And there I was, I was giving uh, Jumu'ah with the students. It was probably the first Jumu'ah in that area in Ito. I don't know if, if it's in the Toronto school system, but I was giving Jumu'ah and like five other students were sitting there, you know, three sisters and three or four brothers. And uh, I led the prayer and they were like, there's nothing wrong with this. Let them have their space. And from that moment on, Jumu'ah began to grow. And subhanAllah, in that moment, the Somali community began to move in. By the time I graduated um, uh, from, from Kipling, we were praying in, in Jim C, which was like within two years, all of these Somali brothers and sisters moved in, learning new English as a second language and so on, that we actually had maybe two, 300 people for Jumu'ah. And I was leading Jumu'ah in the gym. And that's the very first place that I began to train giving Jumu'ah as a 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old, uh, subhanAllah. And uh, really, a lot of credit goes to Dr. Abdullah Hakim Quick, who is uh, known to all of us, mashallah. But um, Dr. Abdullah is, uh, I consider, uh, a sheikh and a mentor to myself, to my family, he was a person who in the youth camps uh, would say, okay, you lead the Jumu'ah instead of him giving the Jumu'ah. And at Masjid Tariq, uh, you know, he and, and Sheikh Jabir kind of engineered it that I gave my first talk in front of two, 3,000 people. I wasn't even aware I was going to give the talk. And he just said, oh, I'm sick today. Yahya, you have to give khutbah to Jumu'ah. And I was like, no, I, you know, I, I can't give khutbah. No, no, you have to give it my voice and... And I stood up and I gave, uh, I still have the recording of it, a talk about taqwa. And that was really, from then on, it would be myself and Sheikh Abdullah and Sheikh Jabir would alternate khutbah al Jumu'ah for years in one of the largest masajid in uh, the city of Toronto as a teenager and, and growing up. Yeah. MashaAllah, that's amazing. And <clears throat> Sheikh Abdullah Hakim Quick, of course, he's, such, he's a legend. We were just talking about him, myself and Sheikh Abdullah earlier. Uh, he's a legend and, and he's done so much to um, to help the youth, uh, subhanAllah. It's a beautiful story, really. I think, you know, one of the things of, you know, we talk about Islamophobia and how it's so difficult and things like that. Sometimes like when there's like opposition to your deen, it almost like it makes you make that choice. Like, do I want to fight for this or not? And subhanAllah, like you were able to fight for it and allowed you to, you know, cherish this religion even more. 
I think a part of it also is Qadar. You know, it was winter months. Had it been summer months, I would have just gone out, prayed under a tree, and nobody would have, you know, nobody would have known. But it was just, it was Qadar. It was something that was meant to be. It kind of enshrined the right for students who want to gather to pray. And subhanAllah, it then went from Kipling to Martin Grove to, uh, uh, you know, to different schools, to uh, Thistletown, to different schools that students began to be able to pray uh, Jumu'ah, they, it kind of radiated in that effect. And, and people just said, okay, let them do what they need to do. It's, it, there's nothing wrong with that. And some of the Muslim staff, I think, kind of said, oh, my God, maybe we should have helped in this rather than let them be. Uh, and, and that's something that I would say to those who are in positions of power. You know, sometimes it's easy just to look the other way and let people kind of deal with it on their own. But if you could lend a voice uh, it does become an important, uh, important step. So since memorizing the Quran, I wanted to know its meaning. And in, I think it was like 1994, uh, 1993, maybe 1994, there was a conference that was held in Toronto and all of these incredibly knowledgeable Arabic speaking scholars came from all around the world. And they were uh, hosted at a Quran and Sunnah conference. And nobody was there to translate. And I was like, you know, 15 years old, 16 years old. And I remember hearing people and I said, oh, I can do it. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know, I just put my hand up. I said, I can do it. And they're like, what do you mean you can? I said, no, you know, I can do it. And I got up and I sat on the side of the stage. And, you know, it was at that time, Sheikh Saleh al-Sheikh, who became the Mufti of Saudi Arabia. And it was his talk. He was uh, uh, an elderly blind man. And there was a Sheikh Muhammad Hassan. And there was Sheikh uh, At-Turkmistan. You know, a few of these high caliber uh, scholars. And I, I translated the first talk. And everyone was like, this is the guy. Keep him there. So I ended up doing... I think something like 20 hours of just translation wow. uh, one after another uh, for the rest of the two-day conference. And since then, it just became a personal network that I developed with some of these scholars where I would travel in the summer months and be able to stay in their homes, be able to attend their classes, be able to study particular books and receive ijazas with them, uh, and to be able to gain the background of what I was reciting. So this is the Quran that you're reading. These are the hadith that you are stating and are memorizing. You know, you memorize Riyadh al-Salihin, but what does it mean? So then you begin to understand how these building blocks are, are put together. Yeah. Oh, mashallah. <clears throat> uh, Shaki Ibrahim, if you don't mind. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot here from what you said. Um, I just want to start, I mean, subhanAllah, you mentioned at the beginning how your father used to sit y'all down and have you all complete, you know, whether it's filling in the blanks and certain books of, of Nahu and certain books, Kutub al-Mi'ani, books, books mm -hmm. of Islamic knowledge. And mashallah, one of the papers that you... Initially wasn't Islamic knowledge. It was like primary school Arabic, then primary middle school. school Arabic. And a lot of it is Al-Ajrumiyya, for example. Right. So we consider it a book of knowledge, but to them it was like Arabi. You just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, I, I, hate it. I used to hate it. SubhanAllah, I would, I would absolutely detest as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 
having to do year three Arabic when I was like in year in grade six. Mm, and not only have to do it, and I do year three and year four, and he'd make us, you know, he'd give us spelling tests and things like that. Subhanallah, my grandfather, uh, Allah yarhamu, and probably the greatest influence uh, uh, on my life. Subhanallah. And that, that's what brings me to this question. I tell a lot of parents two things in regards to kids at Islamic schools, you know, their kids being at Islamic schools or public schools, whatever the case may be. The first thing is that um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can expose you as a parent through your children. Mm. And the ones that would really see that and know that are the Islamic school teachers or the public school teachers. Sometimes they're put in a position because they see the actions of the student that may not be befitting, but they don't know whether to tell the parent. They don't know whether to be someone that talks to the student. It kind of puts them in, I don't want to say puts them in a situation, but it is an encounter that the parent may never know. And sometimes we as imams and influencers, you know, we see, you know, parents and whatever the case may be. And, you know, their, their child is doing something that it's going to be a, a, a journey, if you will, in, in telling the parent or telling the youth how to deal with that particular situation or challenge. The second thing that I tell them is that, subhanAllah, you don't know if your child is praying Lord, ultimately. Right. If they're at school and you're not in contact with the, the teachers, mm. you don't know if your child has prayed Lord today. So when we when they come home, did you pray Lord? Yes, mom. Yes, I prayed Lord. You know, and some days <laughs> Allah knows. If you can recall. What was the moment like? What was it that made you get up? And as you said, and I want to use the word what you said, I mean, like. To tell the teacher going somewhere, but doing something much more preferable, obviously, is praying Lord in the middle of the day because Asr comes in as and the you know time hasn't changed, right? Certain times of the year, Asr is going to come in before we get out of school. What mm. was it that pushed you to get up and do that? What was it? Which I mean, okay, if you may say I was raised that way, well, what element of being raised from your f- grandfather or father, may Allah have mercy on them, what factor? was inculcated within you to where you did that by yourself at your teenage years to leave the classroom and go pray? Mm. Uh, I was listening to your Jumu'ah talk a little while ago, uh, Sheikh Abdullah, uh, you were talking about Hidayah. And uh, mashallah, yeah. Sister Hafiza, she did a, a, you know, a, an animated uh, thing from it. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, mashallah, she did no. this really nice uh, no, note for uh, yeah, Allah reward her. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless her and, and her efforts, mashallah. And, um, you know, you spoke about hidayah in, in, in the different categories of it. And one of them is hidayah that Allah just places in the heart. So there's certain things that just happen uh, mm. to us because we want good in life. So when I, when I kind of look back, well, where did salah really begin to take? It was like I, try, I was trying to be a good person. I don't mean I was trying to be a good Muslim. Like I was just trying to be a good person. I was like, you know, I think I, you know, there are things that I saw in people around me, even some of my friends that I had that I didn't like. And I said, no, 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 this isn't, this isn't what it's meant to be like. And one of the rules that I try to instill in my students, even in in our high school here in my own children is to do what's right just because it's right. Not because, 
people are there to reward you or acknowledge it. This is what's right. Do what's right and don't expect anything for it. And stay away from what's wrong, even if there's nobody there to, you know, to to kind of monitor you. If you if you and I can master that, if you and I can improve in that, our quality of life, our own humanity, our interactions, relationships with everybody, and especially with Allah, improves dramatically. So I think a part of it was in that point in time, I was like, I just wanted to be a better person. I wanted to be a better a better individual and then the second was i was beginning to learn the quran and when you give the quran more attention in the things that you didn't plan on it affecting it affects them first so you know i was trying to learn the quran because i want to i want to read it and i want to you know see how how quickly i can finish it you know, my brother also began memorizing the Quran at the same time with me. We were c- competing who's going to finish first. And all of a sudden, that Quran, the barakah of the Quran, the sound of the Quran in your home, the silence of the TV in your home, the, uh, you know, lessening of the hip hop and more of uh, Shuraim and Sudais and uh, Muhammad Saleh Abu Zaid and, you know, Abdul Basid being recited. Mm-hmm. The, the quieting of the other voices and the amplification of the Qur'an has a natural effect. So salah was hit and miss. And subhanAllah, it's, it's, you know, there are, the thing that I think kind of, um, kind of tipped it over uh, was that I, I, my father, mashallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him, Khairan Barakah. He's probably watching this. Salam alaikum. He was, uh, he spent all of his wealth on his family and children. So every single year, every single year, we would travel as a family to Egypt. Now, I want you to kind of consider that people found it difficult to call back home because phone calls were expensive, like at that time, right? Every single year, my father would book tickets for five of us, six of us, seven, you know, mashallah, we had a large family. He would book tickets for all of us, even, you know, younger brothers and sisters. And we would stay in Egypt for four months. And that was at a considerable expense for him. And a lot of it, he would take unpaid work, unpaid time from work. So he could be with us in the beginning and at the end, he would travel with us and then pick us up. That kind of thing. And I remember I remember listening to people saying to me, you know, you got to save for the future. You got to, you know. And my father, I remember he pointed at me and he said, that's my savings plan. My retirement plan. This guy. Amen. And uh, it's his, you know. So my father also was a person who refused to take riba. Never purchased a home in Canada. Uh, we lived in the same, you know, modest place, a comfortable place, alhamdulillah, blessed place for 25 years. The same place renting. Imagine renting in the same place for 25 years. We paid that person's mortgage over maybe two, three times, right? And my, I remember my father saying, uh, my, my wealth is not the house I live in. It's who lives in it with me. It's who's with me in it. That's my wealth. That's my health, right? So the barakah of salah, the barakah of Qur'an, the barakah of um, 
you know, it makes me emotional just saying it, subhanAllah. May Allah give him success, him and my mom. The barakah is always attached to uh, your commitment. And that's why I'm saying the hidayah, as you spoke correctly about it in your khutbah, if those haven't listened to it, go find it, inshallah, is there is this hidayah that is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it arrives maybe for something you didn't even do, but because somebody else had righteousness. You know, Allah says in the Quran in Surah Al-Kahf, their father was a righteous man. Moses, you must work as a mason, the job of laborers and slaves. Imagine the messenger of Allah who speaks to Allah is putting bricks to build a building for orphans' wealth not to be taken unjustly. Allah sends the messenger of Allah, Musa, to work as a laborer. Why? Because this guy was a good man. I'm going to protect his children, their interests and their future. So... It's not something that I can say to you, Sheikh, what I did or what clicked or what book I read. It's that that's not that's not my experience. I think it's a totality of my uh, my life experience. Uh, my grandfather, um, in those four months that I would spend uh, living Islam, is different than knowing about Islam. Knowing Allah is different than knowing about Allah. Being uh, following the sunnah is different to learning hadith, right? You know, those are all different things to each other. There are people who who know the sunnah, but necessarily are not on the sunnah. There are people who have knowledge of the Quran, knowledge of Allah, but don't know Allah. They know about Allah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather, my grandmother, subhanAllah, um, on, on both sides of my family, they were people who were connected to Allah uh, in my grandfather on my father's side in a literal sense, in a religious sense of knowledge base, but also in a practice sense. So I remember my grandfather every day before Salatul Fajr would wake up two hours before and would read his uh, two juz of the Quran in the morning and then would go out to the masjid that he built by hand, literally. He was the imam of the, the area. It was a masjid he founded 60 years earlier, built it by hand. He would lead the people, the community in prayer. And then we would walk out and he would go to the bakery and to, uh, you know, the the fool. You know, you get uh, Egyptian fool. And he the people already knew every day. They knew exactly his order. So they would have, you know, 15 loaves of bread, uh, uh, 15 stacks, all of them, three or four loaves. And they would have a little bag of food and they were each individually packed. And he'd be carrying these 15 or 16 bags and we would take a three, four kilometer walk. And he would basically go hang the bag on the door of different homes of people who were poor or somebody who'd lost their husband or, you know, he would just put a couple of eggs, some food, and some bread. And it took three, four hours. The sun would rise. We'd come back. He'd have his tea, make his breakfast for my grandmother, and have a little bit of time as Qailula before Salat al-Dhuhr. So the practice of Islam was something that I was able to see, subhanAllah. And I think that has a great influence. MashaAllah. SubhanAllah. You know, uh, we asked, um, you know, Sheikh, for you to go over a hadith or a verse that, you know, is really touching to you. But actually, before we do that, you know, this comment came in the, in the chat. Uh, Brother Ryan Peterson, he said, hello, brothers, I'm going to revert to Islam tomorrow. 
Uh, so caught my attention. I thought maybe we can offer, you know, him some advice and certainly keep him in our dua. Uh, so, Sheikh, you know, is there anything you can you can share for this brother of Ibn Adah? I think uh, continue to be mentored by Sheikh Abdullah, mashallah, who I think will be of great value to you in, in that regard. He has a wonderful series uh, that I actually enjoy using with my students, by the way, Sheikh Abdullah, about the basics of Islam, uh, which is, you know, I think essential knowledge for, I guess, young people or people who are beginning to become in tune with some of the things that we're kind of talking about. So that would be probably a really good advice. Uh, but in terms of your personal practice, my dear brother Ryan, welcome. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you firmness and steadfastness mm-hmm. is to associate yourself with good people, not necessarily just Muslim people, but good people, mm-hmm. people who are kind hearted, compassionate, who seek to live a life of balance and harmony with themselves and with others, with their neighbors, people who are builders, not necessarily um, uh, you know, uh, vultures or hard and harsh upon others. And may Allah give you stability. May Allah brighten your path, light your home with his light of faith. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow our hearts to connect, inshallah. Ameen. Ameen, ya Rabb. So, Shaykh, is there a, a verse or an ayah of your choice that you think can bring a lot of benefit to our audience uh, for you to reflect on, for all of us to reflect on, inshallah? Uh, one of the early surahs that I uh, memorized was uh, Surah Al-Saf. And in it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Ya ayyuhaladina amanu la takunu kaladina adamu sorry, um Ya ayyuhaladina amanu lima takuluna mala tafalun. O ye who believe, why do you say and speak words that you do not practice? Kabura maqtan indallahi and takulu mala tafalun, it's an enormity in the sight of God that you say that which you don't practice. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the nation that came before us. The nations before us, one of the ways that they uh, went off the path was that their hearts were turned away from the truth because they chose not to practice what they knew. So when you and I read Surah Al-Fatiha and we make dua to Allah, Oh Allah, guide us to the straight path, the path of those who you bless before us, not the path of those who anger you or have been led astray. So there's two types of people in this world. There are those who know the truth and choose not to follow it. So upon them is the anger and the wrath of Allah. That always worried me. The second, abdalin, those who are misguided. Those who don't know the truth and don't desire to discover it. They intentionally blind themselves I don't want to know. Don't tell me about it. No, I'm enjoying myself now. It's going to change everything. So those two types of personas, you want to be very careful that you don't develop them. That if you hear the command of Allah, I hear and I obey. And if you are unaware of what you should do in life, investigate it and ask questions. Because the cure to ignorance is to ask, is to seek knowledge. Those are the two pathways, and actually both of the series I have on Yaqeen are a representation of these two themes. So the first is guidebook to God, which is, you know, where is Hidayah? How do we, how, how can we be guided to God? And I've transgressed, and I want to return to Allah. It's about fearing those two, which inshallah in the middle is that balance. So that verse, why do you say what you don't do, is, is powerful, 
And in the continuation of the verse, when they departed from the practice of what they knew they should maintain, I turned their hearts away from faith. Uh, many of us should really be scared to know that Allah misguides. Allah can cause your heart to abandon the truth because you chose not to practice it. So within yourself, you say, no, I'm not going to do this. Well, what happens is the remorse of not doing what you know you should do diminishes. And when that happens, you sink further away from Allah. And that's where a person who we knew in the masjid, knew used to pray, knew used to wear hijab, knew used to be on it, all of a sudden, two years down the road, we see him in a shopping center and we can't recognize him. What happened? Well, it began in that moment where there was a conscious choice to choose other than what we knew is right. It's one thing to not do as what we know. It's another thing to accept it and say, I'm not, I don't care. You know, it, to be obstinate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah protect us, Ya Rabbi. I mean, I mean, I mean. So, yeah, yeah. What, what, I mean, <clears throat> being at your position now, you deal with a lot of youth. And um, alhamdulillah for for yourself, your presence and, you know, your, your diligence and dealing with youth in different different facets of their life. When you see them get to the level of, I don't want to use the word rebellion, but, you know, I just don't care. Whether it's from things that are going on in their household and you see them as a product of that. Uh, parents may get a divorce, you know, a family member that they loved, grandfather, grandmother, they were very close to. You know, Allah has taken them and they're just at the point that, you know what, does it all even really matter? Right. Um, and then, you know, doubt can come about in, in God. What, what would you what would you advise a youth like? And I know you've seen it and ran into it because what you just mentioned is, you know, those choices that they consistently make can lead them to be of the of the law lean. May Allah protect us and all of our all of our youth from that. I mean, um, what, what, what would you tell them? Uh, and always, I know it's not just one answer, but I mean, you know, yeah. just, yeah. It's always, and that's why it goes back to what I said, try mm -hmm. to be a good person. Mm -hmm. Like, what I mean is, there's a lot of people who live life just for themselves. And people, you know, listen, listen to what others are kind of saying around you, even if you don't like that criticism. But I think a part of the, the failing within our community and other communities is that we assume that there is um, a box that everybody has to fit in. You know, a good Muslim is in this box. Mm. And unless you're in that, unless you, you know, you're doing it the way we do it, you're not good. There was a sister, she said, Sheikh Yahya, you know, my husband's a good man, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do... He doesn't go to the classes. He doesn't, you know, do this. He's not memorizing Quran. And I said, well, what does he do that's good? She said, oh, you know, he's mashallah generous and he's this and he's that. I said, well, he worships Allah in those ways. You worship Allah in these ways. Wow. Maybe he worships Allah by smiling and comforting somebody. And that's a great ibadah. And maybe you worship Allah by fasting on Monday and Thursday. And it, you might be in, in your mind, oh, this is the sunnah, this is the way of the prophet. But that's, that's also an active action of worship. So I think it becomes important for people who have a duty of care over young people 
to find the good in them and amplify it because that builds self-esteem. Yeah, it builds that self-confidence and that I'm actually a good person. Even, yes, I know I missed my salah, but if I'm only being ridiculed and and thrashed and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, I, I don't want to use the word abused, abused for it, then what happens is that it's not worth, I don't know how to come back to being a better person. So when people see the good in us, and that's what, and that's one of the ways the shaitan leads people off the path is that sometimes shaitan will find some, find a way for them to feel good about the wrong thing. So somebody's in their ear telling them good things about themselves that aren't actually good about them, and it, it confuses mm-hmm. them of where their morality and where their ethics should be. I think it's also important that young people learn, uh, uh, you know, usul al-fiqh. Learn the difference between haram and makruh. Learn the levels of haram. Uh, parents, you know, sometimes, we, and teachers and educators, we make this mistake where we equate things. So, I, you know, uh, I had this father, he came to me and he said, Sheikh, I want you to tell my daughter that uh, uh, BTS and Korean K-pop is haram. And I said, no, I'm not going to say that. He goes, what? I said, no, I'm, I'm not going to stand up in khutbat al-jumu'ah. I mean, khutbat al-jumu'ah, K- K- K-pop is haram. <laughs> Sheikh, there's so many kids listening to it. You have to, you know, this amr bil-ma'ruf. I said, no, ya khi, I'm not going to say it's haram. Why? I said, yeah, see, one of the things, now there are elements in it that are haram, right? But when we make it a root, that the root cause so you find music is haram, but zina is haram. Well, I've been listening to music. My mom listens to music. My dad's listened to music. I see them getting up and shaking it at those weddings, although it's Bengali music or Pakistani music or Lebanese music. So they're getting up there and they're, but it's haram generally because it's, you know, English music or, or Kareem or whatever it may be. But they're telling me also having a boyfriend is haram, having a girlfriend is haram, and this is haram and this is haram, but this is done. And eventually people kind of accepted this. Well, what's the difference really? Haram is all haram. It's all the same level. It's all the same thing. So, okay, they'll learn to live with it. They'll climatize to it. And that's, uh, uh, that, that's kind of where you find the dilution of our ethics, where people are not um, representing the truth. It's actually a greater crime to state something is haram in an absolute sense that could be halal than to make something halal that could be haram. That's our usul, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a, a greater crime to yuharrimuna ma ahalallah, that you make haram what, what has levels of halal. You know, some parents are so militant, Doritos is haram. Why? It's got that orange cheese on it. It's haram. Okay, so is it like haram, like a pork chop haram? Because those are the kind of questions kids ask. Is it haram like, you know, having an illegitimate relationship? So are you telling me me eating Doritos is haram and this is haram and it's all the same? And we need to kind of begin teaching our children, you know, there is haram, there is makruh, there is haram because livati, this is haram in its essence. And then there's haram because it leads to other things. These are things that that are, you know, leading to, to different... Um, uh, other problems. 
So I think our children are so sophisticated now with their online and their Googling that they're able to actually go and see and there's more than one opinion. And, you know, this person said, that, so who do I believe? You know, everything I've been told, who do I who do I go to? And it becomes important, I guess, for people who have duty of care to kind of be careful how they represent Allah, how they mm. represent the word of Allah, how they represent the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu uh, not to normalize uh, an antagonistic uh, stance about faith. It's not about being antagonistic. And that's why you hear these kind of silly things about haram police. I, I hate that kind of statement, the haram police. Because yes, we do need haram police. We do need the vanguards of faith. We do need people who commit what is right and, and tell us uh, and forbid what is wrong. But we have to go back and, and remember what these words actually mean. Al-amru bil-ma'roof, it comes from urf. You know, you're telling people to do what they recognize is right. Mm. They know this is the right thing. But unless they've understood this is actually right, then it's not amru bil-ma'roof because how do I even know it's right? I don't even know. You're telling me to do it. How do I know it's right? So ma'roof, al-amru bil-ma'roof, for you to command what's good, people have to understand that that is actually what is good. And an-nahi al-munkar, it's what's universally munkar. It's what people you know, should uh, universally begin to to understand it. They can, they have the cognition and the ability to understand it. If they're too young, leave it off. If they're if they're too ingrained in it, wor- work your way up to it. And mm-hmm. all of that, I think that sophistication is lacking within our communities at the moment. But the, that is what I would say to people who are engaging with young people. Uh, the Prophet wasallam said, yassiru wa la tu'assiru. Simplify, don't make it complex. Make it easy, don't make it too hard for people. That doesn't mean we're diluting the faith. It means that we are thinking with wisdom in our path towards Allah, saving a future generation from the pitfalls that we have gone through. May Allah protect us, Ya Rabbi. I mean, I mean, I know one Islamic school teacher, he was telling me like, he's like, I know if I tell the kids music's haram, don't listen to it, they're just not going to listen to me. So he tells them, for every bit of music you listen, make sure you read a page of the Quran. And uh, I thought that was a very interesting approach because, you know, by them saying, "Okay, I have to I have to listen, to, I have to read Quran," uh, if I'm going to indulge in this, it kind of creates this dichotomy in them that hopefully they're going to be pulled more towards the Quran than towards those other things. Uh, I just thought that was that was an interesting approach that he had. But you're right; we have to be more. Uh, we have to understand where these kids are coming from and, and know how to relate to them better and, and um, how to explain Islam to them better, for sure. And have- that's really the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dealt with us in the Quran as well. Like, you know, when people would ask big things of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah still qualifies why yes or no. Like Musa alayhi salam in Surah Al-A'raf, he says, Rabbi arini andur ilayk. Oh Allah, I want to see you. I want to gaze upon you with my eyes. Not in a dream. I just, I want to see you physically, literally. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Len tarani. You will not see me, ya Musa. You're incapable of it. Walakin, but, undur ilal jabal. Look to that far distant mountain. Fa'in istakarra makano, fasawfa tarani. If that mountain can withstand an iota of my majesty being known to it, then I will, then it, perhaps you'll be able to gaze upon me in this life, in your physical form as you are. When Allah's magnificence, a part of it, became known to that man, it was destroyed. Musa, 
saw the mountain crumble. وخر موسى صاعقا. موسى fell down, you know, was in a, a, a dead. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't just simply say no, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala qualifies and gives an understanding even to the elite about why. About why yes, why no. Uh, you know, this is why the Quran is full of قُلْ قُلْ Respond, respond, say to them, answer them. This is the question. Give them the answer. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We have some interesting questions, Sheikh. Um, here's one that I thought was interesting. Maybe we can take a look at. Uh, Sister Sena was saying, I have a question regarding that. I'm very regret regretful of my medical school debt that I took when I did not have much knowledge of interest, etc. I'm paying it off the best that I can, but I fear the barakah of Allah may be kept away from me due to the debt that I have. Uh, Sheikh, what advice would you give uh, Sister Sana? I know this goes to, towards your uh, return. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use you for good, Sister Sana. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you an incredible doctor, a healer, an incredible uh, physician, inshallah. Pay off your debt as soon as you can. And if you can uh, structure it in a way that gives you time where you lessen the amount of the burden of interest or whatever it is, do so, inshallah. Meaning that your heart is alive with Allah, your heart is alive with what you want to do, your aim is to doing something good. Don't look at uh, a past mistake, don't say, oh, now I'm going to give it up, but you're, you're still, that is still there. Even if you have to borrow more to get out of the one that you're in, it is better than to be stuck with something that you find more difficult to pay off into the future without it. So continue your studies, finish them off, do the best you can, inshallah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you an exit from all difficulty and hardship. Allahumma ameen. Um, so, uh, you know, may, uh, may, may Allah heal you from, uh, from debt. And debt in general is a problem for us as Muslims, whether it's structured, interest or not. It's something that as Muslims, we don't like to be under. Uh, Allahumma inna na'udhu bika min From feeling overwhelmed by our debts. Allahumma ameen. The sunnah, of the, uh, the dua of the Prophet Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah assist her with that and assist all of us and keep your head up, keep moving forward. And the moment your heart is seeking Allah's barakah, you will find it. Just that moment of remorse in your heart has opened the doors of barakah to you, uh, Sister Sana. Just that very emotion is barakah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase it for all of us. Allahumma ameen. Amen. 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 Uh, another question. Sheikh Yahya, why did you move to Australia? Do you recommend it? <laughs> uh, MashaAllah. Personal questions, right? <laughs> okay, there's, a, there's a number of reasons. So I moved to Australia. Uh, I, I had uh, come here on two, maybe three lecture tours, 1998, 99 kind of thing. I came for the Summer Olympics as a backpacker, did some more lecture tours. I traveled the whole country. And I was offered a job as a, a youth worker at one of the largest Islamic schools, something you may not know. Islamic schools are uh, fully uh, funded by the government here in Australia. So our schools here are not like schools in America, Canada, and the UK. Our schools here are like the Roman Catholic school system, for example. We are fully funded by the government. We have expansive campuses. Mashallah, my, my campus is 1,200 students, um, you know, uh, large, multi-million dollar uh, business um, and not-for-profit uh, educational uh, areas. So it's something that is a wonderful place to raise a family 
and have, you know, your children uh, in an incompetent Islamic school system. Our students, mashallah, are always achieving the highest standards, top results, ranked fourth in the state kind of thing in terms of our ranking as a school out of three, four hundred schools. So uh, it's a place where your children can find uh, comfort in that sense. Number two, the Australian people are a really um, uh, wonderful people. And I know a lot of people have this perception, oh, there's ra- there is racism, there's racism everywhere. In Australia, the racism is just more overt. It's not under, you know, it's not an undercurrent. So if somebody doesn't like you, they just tell you, listen, mate, I just don't, you know, we're just not going to get along. And that's it. And you smile, they smile, everybody's happy. It's not not that weird smile where they're pretending to, and then all of a sudden you don't get your job, you don't get a a, a position, you know, it's not that kind of, so it's very overt, which is refreshing, right? It's it's, it's kind of nice. I prefer that way. Personally. You know, it's like top shelf racism at times is, is <laughs> you know, it's it's not that bad. But ninety nine percent of the Australian um, community that you will meet are incredibly generous people because they're an island mentality. You know, everybody here relies on everyone. That's why you know everybody calls every mate. You know, it's like they're they're everybody assists everyone. I have incredible neighbors. I have an incredible community. Incredible politicians in our in our seating and in our riding so uh, you know an incredible police force you know the west australian police force is uh, a wonderful wonderful um police force to engage with a very you know uh uh progressive in their in their approach and in, in their concept so all of these are things that kind of make perth um a a, a, a nice place for myself and my family at the moment uh, but, you know, when my father, when I first took permission from him, uh, you know, as a 22 or 23-year-old to to travel to Australia, or 20, yeah, 23-year-old, um, he said to me, Yahya, go, لكن لو طلبتك ما تسألش لي. Go, but when I ask you to come back, don't ask why. You just come. And that's always been the rule. Alhamdulillah, he hasn't said come yet. So uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us good and, and use us for good here uh, for ourselves, our families, and our community, and wherever you are, may Allah use all of us for good. Allahumma ameen. Yeah. And I do, I do recommend it. I do recommend. No, uh, honestly, uh, it's uh, incredible dawah opportunities, incredible business opportunities, ed- incredible education opportunities, uh, incredible work opportunities. Um, yeah, uh, healthy, balanced lifestyle. And great weather, mashallah, great beaches, alhamdulillah. I was, I was just going to add that. Like, I'm I'm in Sheikh Yahya's hometown, and a couple of days ago, we had 60 centimeters of snow, which for our American friends is about just under 25 inches, I think. So th- three feet of snow outside and uh, two days of shoveling. I, I think I injured my bicep doing so. So I totally get uh, going to Perth. I'm sure you don't have to do much shoveling of snow over there, Sheikh. Uh, no, and look, we always come back. We used to, subhanAllah, before the COVID, inshallah, next year, uh, every December and January, we're usually Europe and Canada and Umrah in Europe and Canada. So we actually, you know, all my kids skate, all my kids ski because we love the snow. So we actually get the best of both, mashallah. Mashallah. 
We have more questions, but I don't know. I think we're running a little bit short on time. Um, and I just want to remind everyone, you know, we do have a link in the description. You can add ask questions for next week, and we can try to take up your questions next week, inshallah. Um, because I, I do see some good questions, but uh, unfortunately, we can't get to everybody's uh, question, unfortunately. There's just one I will quickly put up here, um, which is, uh, I don't know if it's coming up here. Uh, uh, said, living in the West and older in age, how can I start learning without support from a Muslim community near near me? My learning will be independent. What are things I can do slash resources I can reference? Sheikh Abdullah, maybe you want to plug mm. uh, convert resources and, and, and something, mm. inshallah, for this brother to uh, to be aware of. Well, go ahead, Sheikh. Let's Sheikh answer. Uh, yeah, I mean, on, uh, honestly, there is uh, really good online resources. Uh, some of them are more structured than others. I know Yaqeen, mashallah, has really uh, wonderful, wonderful resources geared toward this. Uh, I have a humble effort, and I'm sorry for shameless self-promotion, inshallah. Uh, if you go to yahyaibrahim.com, you'll find that there's a school section. There's season one, season two, season three is coming out. Basically, it's like um, a mentored program for young people, older people, whatever it is, short videos. It's got, you know, quizzes that you can kind of and it builds your knowledge along the way. Uh, use that as a resource, inshallah. For those who are converts, what I, I, I always like is to embed yourself with a network and a community of people. And I think that's something that Sheikh Abdullah can help with, inshallah. Inshallah, yes. I mean, uh, definitely so, someone that is a... Uh, converted to Islam, whether you're someone that was uh, born Muslim and had an epiphany and you're trying to get back to uh, just doing your best. And also if you're someone that was of another faith, just like what Shaykh said, having that network of people, people that you can always constantly just sit and have a conversation with and maybe sometimes even vent. This is very, very uh, important to having subtype, some type of social structure, which I like to call a convert coach, you know, someone that can mm -hmm. help you along that journey. Um, and it's, you know, as Sheikh Yahya mentioned perfectly, mashallah, may Allah bless him, is someone that you see living uh, Islam. And uh, that that's important. So having a person that you can meet, for instance, 30 minutes to an hour after Jumu'ah, you know, every Friday that you can just sit, have a cup of coffee with something minor, but it's something that is consistent. And consistency is key. I think that's very, very important. And Allah SWT knows best. So Sheikh, uh, one question we want, you know, to get some, you know, real sincere advice from you. Uh, if you can go back in time and go to that younger Yahya Ibrahim who's just starting out, uh, what advice would you want to give your younger self? Uh, listen to your parents more. SubhanAllah. Uh, it's ironically something that I say to my kids as well, but uh, it is uh, probably the best advice. And one of the things that my shiuch that you would say is Yahya, uh, Islam is what you get from uh, the practice of it. But you want to be able to have advice from those who care in an absolute sense for you. And there's very few people, not all parents, of course, not all parents. I have to qualify that. Some are toxic and so on. But on the whole, even parents who are not of our faith, even parents who we've had difficulties in uh, with, in general, um, some of the advice growing up that our parents give us is very good advice that we kind of need to listen to. Second is to choose your friends really, really well. 
And to know that there's a difference between a friend and acquaintance, there's a difference between a friend of a friend, there's a difference between a work colleague and a, an associate. Uh, even in the Quran, there's 15, 16 different terms that in English is just translated friends. But in the Quran, there's wali, waliyun hamim, sahib. You know, there's all these different words to describe different relationships. So be very careful with the relationships you have because you're looking at your mirror self, maybe not now, but could be into the future. So if you see something in your friends you don't like, be careful with that. Keep it in mind, inshallah. Third and finally is to, you know, don't give up on your dreams. So don't have something that I think I, I really want to do this, but people told me no, or it seems too hard, or I don't have the money right now, or I don't know if I can even do it. I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to start. If you have something that you are passionate about, chances are it is worth pursuing and you should commit yourself to it in that which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's beautiful. And just a small thing I want to mention about the parents is very jazakallah khair for mentioning that. A lot of times, and I think all of us are parents here, um, when your parents give you that advice, you know, I was telling someone this last week is there's nothing like having a child. And that's why, you know, there's term, the term is qurratu'ayn because qurratu comes from istiqrar. So like the apple of your of our eye, which we translated to mean, but it literally means that what your eyes can just sit and just settle and look at. You mm. just have joy looking at it. And your children are, 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 are that in essence because every parent sees an element of themselves within their child. They'll see mm. and they'll say, oh my God, that's me. That's a sutter for that way that they did this and that. Or, oh, that's, that's his mother. That's his grandmother. Oh, that's his uncle. A certain behavior that they may have. So a lot of times when your dad is giving you advice, your mom is giving you advice, they're indirectly talking to themselves. They're saying, you know, I'm talking to myself. I would have given myself this advice when I was younger. I wish I had this advice. But now you are here. You are my opportunity to talk to myself again. So there's no advice like the advice of the parents because it comes from sheer unconditional love. And I think we as children, as teenagers, uh, we got to take that into consideration to the best of our ability. And don't forget that regardless of what they've said and done to us, which sometimes can be difficult, but remember that, you know, a lot of times they're seeing themselves within you and they're giving themselves that advice and it's, it's out of pure, pure love, inshallah, ta'ala, and mercy. And Allah knows best. Yeah, absolutely. SubhanAllah. And, you know, you just think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, fil amr, like seek, you know, the advice, the consultation of others in, in your affairs. And he was directing this to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the Prophet would seek advice from people. And so if the Prophet was seeking advice, we are far more in need of doing so, seeking consultation from others. Mm -hmm. Too often, you know, parents don't take the advice of their children. They really should. Uh, and children don't take advice of their parents. And like Sheikh Yahya was mentioning, it's, it's so important uh, for us to do so. Sheikh, we loved having you on. This was incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, we have a lot of messages and it's hard for me to um, <laughs> to even keep up with. Uh, one message here that I just want to highlight as well, which is, will you do these live streams more? Yes, we will be here every week, inshallah, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. We're going to be live with a different guest. We're so lucky to have Sheikh Yahya being our guest this week. I believe next week we have 
Ustada Maryam uh, Amir, inshallah, is going to be with us. Uh, so we're going to have a great lineup of guests and, and we're going to be able to ask them questions and be live here, inshallah, for all of you. I know we weren't able to get to everybody's questions, but really do appreciate uh, people asking their questions and being here, inshallah. Um, any parting words, inshallah, Sheikh Abdullah or Sheikh Yahya? Love to hear from either of you, bi'inillah. Sheikh Yahya, tafadl, Sheikh uh, just where we began, do what's right because it's right. Stay away from what's wrong because it's wrong. May Allah bless you with that and increase us in following the love, the love and the tradition and the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It's a pleasure and an honor. I look forward to meeting you both uh, live and in person, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa taala gather us in the best of places and best of times. Allahumma amin. 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 Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.